stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the breaking zone. Guaranteed to be more random than Braun Strowman's tag team partner at WrestleMania. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I see what he did there. He had to get a WrestleMania reference in, didn't he? <laughs> Welcome the to Showcase of the Immortals, the ultimate showcase in sports and entertainment. The time where we praise our great overlords at Mother's Car Polish. Praise be to Mother's. And in other news, welcome to episode 131 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And, um, oh my god, everything went down in Motorsport this weekend. Holy shit. Um, yes. Um, good news, kids. This is the first part of a double header that will be, be coming your way this week. There was just too much bursting at the seams in Formula 2 and Formula 1. So much so, Formula 2 is leading off this week. It's the NXT takeover of of motorsport shows this this this, this past weekend. Um, but, uh, we, we have a four-person booth um, for this week's episode, featuring me, of course, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hey, hey. Uh, all hail our new lord and savior, Nicholas, wherever you are. D- don't let wrestling corrupt you. Be pure. This is wrestling, King. That might be easier said than done. <laughs> He's probably on steroids right now. He doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> oh but does he know how to bust someone at, up at the top of their head hard way? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Question. I don't know. Ask the pool of blood that Roman Reigns was resounded in yesterday, I suppose. But uh, in the meantime, he can also take six F5s. It's RJ O'Connell. Hello, yes. And I had a very, expe- uh, very interesting perspective of all the weekend's action because... I, after two and a half years of friendship, finally got to hang out with our friend of the show, Sarah Connors, for a whole weekend. It was everything that I could have imagined more. It was it was a great time, and I miss I've just missed the whole time. It's great. I, I miss my friends so much. <laughs> I still find it crazy that I ended up hanging out with Sarah like a year and a half before you did. You guys you guys are in the states. Like it's crazy. <laughs> Um, but I was very, very lucky for that one. I bumped into Sarah twice now, and met like and met like our good friend Hazel before we, before I even got to know her as a proper friend. It's crazy how these things turn out. Motorsport it, it brings people together and causes them to fight like rabbits. Um, <laughs> finally, as well, we also have Chris Tahade back with us. Hi, right, Chris, how you doing? Good. Hope you got the um, got the show ready because this is going to be jam packed. We had so much action. And you mentioned WrestleMania. This weekend was actually my very first WrestleMania and my first wrestling pay-per-view. Um, so it led to some very, very uh, fun conversations over the week, over the preceding night. So are, are you now fully aboard the meme wagon that is John Cena running up an entrance ramp? Yes, 100%. I'm, I'm here for all of that. That's all I will say. I'm not, I'm not going to give away too much because I'm, people may not have watched it by the time this goes up because let's be honest especially for in the UK which a lot of our listeners are from that show finished at about 5 in the morning so um yeah probably not the best way to digest a 17 hour wrestling show but um 
I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to we're going to crack the general housekeeping out of the way, and then we'll get right into it. But uh, places you can find us, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. More videos coming out very soon. I've managed to uh, whip Nor into shape, so hopefully there'll be some more podcast highlights coming up in the near future. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. I write crack shit jokes about motorsport. It's always a fun time. Um, we're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, we are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King when he's on there every once in a while, at RJ O'Connell, and at C the Harday, at C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Just five bucks gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live, which will also be back later in this week. It was the Argentina Grand Prix, and absolutely nothing of interest happened. <laughs> Seriously, it was more nothing. like Bahrain said, "We raised the bar for what it means to have an exceptional Grand Prix," and then and MotoGP was like, "We are the bar." <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Let's okay, okay. To put it into perspective, people, if you have not seen that MotoGP <clears throat> race yet, all I will say is this: Jack Miller finishing in fourth was about the fifteenth craziest thing that happened during that race. There's some perspective for you, kids. I, 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 if you've never listened to Bike Live, trust me on this one. You're going to want to listen to this week's show. I promise. Like, 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 make time in your schedule for it. I promise you. Like, I, I, I will put it on Patreon for one buck early access that all Patreon backers get in. I want you all to listen to this show. You heard that here first from me. Got it. Good. Right. So, without further ado, after this brief musical interlude, you'll be back to talk about... Wait, the schedule says Formula 2. Oh, wait, Formula 2 was amazing. Let's get into that. Right after this. King did make a very good point. When isn't Formula 2 awesome? That's kind of my fault for not watching it properly. And um, yeah, I openly admit I was wrong. I was wrong. Very, very wrong. Um, Formula 2's 2018 season kicked off in Bahrain this weekend. And with it a new was car. incredible. With a new most car. Importantly, yeah, new car. That's the most important thing they opened with. That there's a new formula in Formula 2. They have dropped the V8s. You can cry elsewhere because the new engine is a turbocharged V6 engine that shoots motherfucking flames. Right, like, I, 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 I hear F1 fans really like it when they go from V8s to turbocharged V6s. Nothing ever goes wrong with that. And they're also <laughs> larger rear wings. They're, they have the low nose that is common in current Formula 1 cars. Uh, believe it or not, the current cars due to, they're actually, I think, believe, eight pounds heavier, but they're, give or take, about the same speed as last year's cars. That's, about, that's like one foot English breakfast. Eight pounds is nothing. <laughs> right. So, you know. So, like, these cars literally were spitting flames. You saw, I saw RJ post one in our Discord chat just before we started the show, and, yeah, they are literally spitting flames. Like, they are ridiculous. They look fantastic, by the way. Um, I love them. Anyone still complaining about the Halo can fight me, basically. 
um, at this point because, like, I, I, I didn't even friggin' notice. But um, it these looks new cars. good on the car. It looks very it good on the car, and it's a platform that needed to be updated after about 45 years of the GP211 chassis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, 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 that old sucker had been around for a while. So, um, yeah. New did cars. You know that, did you know that um, the great, uh, the great uh, Johnny Servoz Gavin won the, uh, the, the Formula 2 championship in the GP211? Not many people do that. <laughs> did you know that the GP11, I mean, the GP211 actually predates this show? Oh, dear God. When our first show was, what, October 2014, I want to say that was? Yeah, the, the 11 was... stands for a year. Oh, dear God. Like, our first show was, like, three years after the old chassis was around. That's... I feel old. I feel really old now. <laughs> no, I'm not even the oldest guy on this show. I'm the second youngest on this show. <laughs> I'm 26 in August. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um... Should we get into some of the racing, fellas? Yes, um, yes because uh, we start off... Yeah, it would be a good idea on this show every once in a while. Um, so, I love that the, in the set list King wrote out, it says, Lando is definitely the Mando. And I'm like, there's our, ep- <laughs> there's our episode title. Um, no, I'm joking. But, um, yeah, Lando Norris on his Formula 2 debut secured pole position just over, by a narrow margin over George Russell by 0.06 of a second there. Very close. Um, but... Turns out in the feature race itself, Lando Norris took off. Um, he was gone. Um, he was gone very quickly, and he and he would not be seen again for the majority of the race. Um, no doubt about it, King. A stunning first performance for Lando Norris in the feature race. I would say not against all odds, but against some odds, he was still able sure. to win the race. Like he comfortably drove away from the field. Nine second lead by lap nine. Uh, pit stop, he had an issue with one of the, the tires had problem, you know, coming off the car. Still wasn't an issue. After the pit stop, over the radio, you could hear him say, pretty much saying that his engine was, you know, occasionally, like, just shutting off. But, you know, still wins by eight, eight 8.3 seconds. No big deal, you know. <laughs> Only in your first Formula 2 race and all. Jesus, Lando. Give, give everybody else a chance. But... Funnily enough, like, Norris was fantastic, no doubt about it, but this, like, this, like, really wasn't the story here. I mean, George Russell was hyped up as a big threat, spun his wheels on the start, and, like, Lando was gone after that one, essentially. He, he had about a one-second lead by Sector 2, <laughs> as if that wasn't bad enough as it was. But, um, <laughs> the, the let's be honest here with each other, the real story of the feature race, and probably the weekend in general... Was Artem goddamn Markalov? Um, holy shit! Um, like, to, to sum up Markalov's weekend in like one little moment, it was probably like if Markalov showed up to a poker game, and the first hand he was dealt was like a pair of a, a pair of like twos, and everyone else had like somehow had straight flushes, and he was like, "Fuck this!" Pulls a handgun, takes the money, and runs out the roof. <laughs> Like, like, who's going to argue with him? <laughs> like, he was only able to qualify in 17th. He, he only had limited running in practice. The, the Russian time team had technical gremlins throughout the weekend, unfortunately. But the car held itself together during the races itself. And, um, 
after just 10 laps, after starting, what was it, in the pit lane? Because I think he stalled it on the formation lap, he didn't he? He stalled it on the formation lap. Roberto Mary didn't even get to start the race. By the way, Roberto Mary is racing in <laughs> Formula 2 this year. Yeah, this is, this is weird. And he also almost got to wear his overalls from Manor, and the only reason why he couldn't was because it didn't have a Formula 2 logo that they could just sew on top of it. Oh, my God. Like, 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 nice to see Mary holds on to the important things in life. Um, so, but, uh, from yeah. my recollection of what I saw when I was, like, so sleep-deprived from waking up at about 6.37 in the morning, um, Artem Markolov started the race in pit lane and then just decided to claw, scratch, and tear and chop his way through everybody and everything in his way. Yeah, like, quote from the set list that I wrote, Markolov was able to slay his way to 8th after 10 <laughs> laps. <laughs> God. King, I've known you for nearly seven years. That is the sassiest thing you've ever written. <laughs> Congratulations. But, um, not inaccurate in any way, shape, or form, may I add. That's exactly what he did. He scythed his way through the field. Some spectacular overtakes in there as well. Like, Artem Markadov doesn't have a fear. Like, he is fearless. He, 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 there is no concept of failure in this man's mind. Like, it might be a 2% pass, but if you stuck Artem Markolov in Alex Rossi's car during like the final two laps of St. Petersburg, he would find a way to slide past Wickens and not take him out. Markolov <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, he, is, he is the YouTube highlight video personified. Yeah, he is... Um... I, I always think of, like, the fourth-year Fun Runer in GP2 days whenever you have, like, some dude that's stuck around a while and only wins the championship because of that way. The fourth-year Fun Runer that ruins all the fun for all the rookies. Well, if that's the case, then Artem Markolov in his fifth season, he is the fifth-year Extra Fun Haver. He's a super senior. Good lord. I mean, it's, this, is, yeah, this is year five for Markolov, and, uh... You know, it doesn't feel like year five. I have to say, um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like year five for Markelov. But my gosh, like if anything, Markelov was so spectacular. I'm starting to like reassess my stance on people being in Formula Two for longer than like one or two seasons because we all know the bottleneck to get into F1 is virtually impossible now unless you're sucked in by a junior team like right from the start, like we saw with someone like Stoffel. Yeah, for instance. Which, which uh, Marco Lov is currently on! Yep. Yes! He's a reserve driver for Renault. Good lord. Um, like, of all the teams you get to be a junior for right now, the one that is absolutely stacked with Nico Hulkenberg and Carlos Sainz as teammates. Yeah. Shout out of luck on that one, eh, Artem? Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I think the, the climax of Mark, Marco Lov's living highlight vid was the closing laps and his battle against Lando Norris's teammate Sergio Sete Camera. That was ridiculous. That was bonkers. I thought they were going to kill each other out there. <laughs> um, fun fact, I was watching this race in a greasy spoon cafe with my mother on my phone and I nearly screamed, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end of that race and... And the whole cafe gave me very, very, very strange looks. 
Um, so, um, sorry about that, people. Um, if you were having a nice traditional English breakfast and you hear a crazy six foot two, two 250-pound black man screaming, oh my god, whilst we're looking at his phone. Um, <laughs> but uh, that battle was, um, shall we say, intense? Um, <laughs> I'm about to go pull it up right now. It, it, um, it featured dive bombs. Like, uh, penultimate lap pretty much opens with Markolov going for the move to hopefully cement his status of, I, I started from the pit lane, I'm going to finish second. But unfortunately, camera sees it coming because that was kind of one of Markolov's go-to moves of, I'm a dive bomb in the first corner. Set the camera, moves in anticipation, Markolov backs out at the last possible moment. Like, like Markov got outballed. That takes some doing. Like it's, it's it's a bit like showing up to the flight with two melons and then a camera pulls out two watermelons. That's how bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody is disappointed that Felipe Massa's retired and you know we're wondering where the next Brazilian F1 superstar is coming from, uh, mm. Carlin, Carlin may have him. Yeah, Carlin mm. may have him. Camera, obviously he was. In qualifying, he ended up qualifying six, four tenths behind his teammate. But he's clearly showing that he's not going to simply just sit around and be Lando Norris's number two driver. He's here to play. No. He um, is indeed. Yeah. Remember in the uh, when we did our fantasy draft last year, and I believe Sergio Sete Camera, did he not get picked? And that was the race, and that was the start of the year where he started really clicking things off. Like yeah, was it was. Yeah, he, he he went he went undrafted as I spent seven hundred and seventy five bucks on a Matsushita. That, that, <laughs> that, that super that. Formula superstar Nobuhara Matsushita now. It's fine. Who did, yeah, who did fuck all for me on my team? So thanks a bunch for that, mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, so but we, we go down to the the rundown to start the final lap, and they're uh, Markelov's got the RS camera. Obviously, doesn't. And yeah, which seems, I'm watching right now. And pretty much, Markalov looks one way, camera moves over. Markalov looks the other way, camera can't commit oh. fully, but he starts pushing him towards the pit wall, and oh my uh, god! Oh my god! Mm, it's oh, harder to tell whether Markalov is closer to camera or the pit wall, and somehow they both make it out unscathed. Oh no, this was, is fantastic, and this lap isn't even one third over. My god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like watching like that time when Michael Schumacher almost squeezed Rubens into the wall, only for an entire lap. <laughs> yeah, only for an entire Like, they they clearly wanted to try to show each other the chrome horn, but they knew if they touched, it would be over for both of them. <laughs> Give him the horn. Um... <laughs> But uh, it, it is a tremendous flight. Go out of your way to see that feature race in full. It is an incredible spectacle. Um, again, like Markov alone is worth the price of admission here. Camera had, again, had balls the size of grapefruits. Um, in fact, if you look very closely, the whole race might be on YouTube. Hopefully it's still up there by the time this podcast goes out before the FOM inevitably swings its band hammer when it finds out but, it's on there. But hey, if Cameron Markoloff wanted to like, do this like for the rest of the season, maybe forever, like I want to see them literally fight forever, please, please. Let's just say if that happens, like I will never need a girlfriend in my life. Um <laughs> Will we go as far Ever. as to say that this is the best open-wheel race we've seen in Bahrain, either among any of the open-wheel categories that we've seen there? 
it's up there with Bahrain 2014 for me because that, yeah, that was a I'd fantastic say, F1 race. I'd say it's a tie. I'd say it's a tie between that race and this race. I'd put them level. I actually found Formula 2 to be a bit more exciting than that 2014 Bahrain race, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I would but, say um, the... The only thing that put, didn't put it over the top that it wasn't for the win, but even like even including Lando's drive, it's still a great race. The fact that Lando was still able to maintain that nine-second lead despite all the issues he had through the race. Can I also yeah. just point out, as uh, revealed by Carlin, uh, Lando Norris, this is not entirely statistically accurate, but in his first full season of what is now British Formula 4, and then European Formula 3, and then British Formula 3, and then Formula 2, he's won his first race as a full-time competitor yes. in all four of these categories. Like, we should also, he's a bit good. We should also include the last five championships he's been in. The first year he's won all of those championships. See, in other words, you're saying he's a bit, of, he's a bit good, you know? Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, the hype is very much real with Lando. Not quite the same level of success in the in the in the sprint race, but uh, oh god, Markov won that one too yeah. with a tire saving masterclass. God damn it! Yeah, Lando, <laughs> Lando ended up obviously the way they format the sprint race is: if you finish eighth, you start first; if you finish first, you start eighth. Lando was able to make his way up to fourth. Markov, with his third place, you know, finish ends up starting sixth, fights his way as Markov does, wins the race. Uh, camera ends up finishing third, and in second place is our good friend Maximilian Gunther. Your man's, yeah, <laughs> your man's in the pink car. Yes, Max Gunther drove very like I love that Max Gunther was doubting his own ability during that race <laughs> on several occasions to save those tires, but he I drove mean, magnificently. He got better as the race went on. It was I mean, crazy. When when you're out there with dudes like Lando Norris and Artem Markalov, you would doubt your own ability too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's as fair a reason as any, but, uh, God. And um, also, apparently, ART Grand Prix are canceled. They had a pretty good race one, <laughs> and then, uh, in the sprint, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> the collapse was real. Both oh. their cars stall on the, on, the, on the sprint race starts. It's like, oh, God. Um, like, ART is cancelled, shut it down, shut it all down. Um, like... Mm, the proverbial British dream team of George Russell and Jack Aiken. Like, Russell qualified second, but his start was atrocious. He just spun up his tires and fell down the field. He ended up finishing uh, fifth, you know, salvaging that. But in the... Mm, Aiken finished ninth, which, you know, it was good, but it's not what people were expecting. And then the, the, the sprint was just terrible. Both both cars stall it on on like it looks like these new cars are a bitch to get off the line by the looks of it. But uh, um, yeah, both ARTs yeah. stall it on 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 the race to start yeah. and uh, yeah, launches launches are going to be extremely difficult in this car because number one they're not hybrid systems they shoot flames for a reason they're it's the anti lag system these cars are heavier they don't they they don't accelerate as quickly from a standstill. So, like, it's noticeable because Markelov is the only veteran that's doing well. It's a good point. Like, 
Experience means nothing with this new car now. Yeah, just look at Sean Galeal, who only managed a seventh place in the feature race and did nothing in the sprint, and he's with Prima. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of says it all, really. Um, yeah, so we get to do this all again in Baku in about three weeks' time? Yeah, it's gonna be alright! Yeah, just hopefully these guys will actually have a decent start, unlike the last time they're in Baku. <laughs> and hopefully the clerk doesn't just run away with it, you know? But, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, like I said, both races absolutely ridiculous. Um, the sprint race a little bit more on the tame side, probably for the best of I may have had a heart attack during that weekend. <laughs> but, but, um,. Uh, yeah, just besides that, uh, a, a mental, mental weekend. Um, also, shout out to the Russian Time YouTube channel, which had their team, team principals, Fetlana, holding both her trophies. Not in that sense. Like, oh <laughs> the, my the, god. I was covering myself there because I knew somebody was thinking it. Um, yep. Not like that. The actual trophies that Markolov got. For first and third, like there were two like school kids trying to fight each other. <laughs> Just, I, I thought that was quite funny as well. Thanks, Hazel, for pointing that one out on Twitter. Um, but, did the Lord's work covering that weekend on there. But, but as uh, we stand, the driver standings feature Lando Norris, first in the championship, 39 points. Second, you're Arnold. all shocked. <laughs> Second, Artem Markolov with 30 points. Third, Sergio Sete Camera with uh, with 28 points, fourth Maximilian Gunther with 16, tied with Nick DeVries, Gunther ahead with a second place finish. Like shout out to Nick DeVries and Prima for what I got to call the premature Leclerc strategy uh, during that <laughs> sprint race of yeah we're gonna take a pit during the sprint race again only this time it just didn't quite work as well and Nick basically ran out of tires of about five to go on that one only finished in fifth. Well worth a mention. Nice effort, Prima. Um, sadly, Nick is not Charles Leclerc. But then again, that's, you know, a lot of people aren't Charles Leclerc <laughs> in a Formula 2 car. There's no shame in that, Nick. Don't worry. There's, 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 there's always time to make up for that. You're, you're, you're good. You're doing, you're doing a good job, mate. Trust me. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't already, as mentioned, check out Formula 2. Um, whew. Um, I also love that Zoe just put in this called like awkward Jim Clark intro mention. Yeesh. Uh, oh, yeah, we we should mention that. How um, we should the 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 Formula Two broadcast did not start with the greatest of introductions by social media list commentator Jack. J- uh, yeah, Alex Jakes, otherwise known as Maurice Moss from the IT crowd, because that's what he talks like. <laughs> Where he pretty much introduces the feature race as the 50th anniversary of Jim Clark's last Formula 2 race, and you, me, and everyone else knows why that was Jim Clark's last Formula 2 race. And that is kind of awkward to mention before the start of, you know, a Formula 2 race. The first race in a brand new era for the sport as well. I mean, jeez, Alex. Were you practicing that one in the hotel room? And also, one more thing: whose good idea was it? Whose bright idea was it to put Johnny Herbert in the commentary box during the sprint race? <laughs> uh, Sky, because uh, for the first time ever, Sky before the broadcast. If you're watching on Sky Sports F1, did like a mini five-minute pre-race show. Like they've never done any Formula Two specific coverage ever. 
Yay, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's an improvement. That's neat. And, and, yeah, and to be fair, like Herbert actually kind of just sat back and took that third roll on quite well. I thought Herbert was fine, so, you know. All right, Sky, you, 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 get, you get a pass on this one. Yeah, because Johnny Herbert is actually a race winner in the category back when it was known as International Formula 3000. Attaboy. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Johnny Herbert, because... He's always fun, right? You know, apples and pears and all that. Um, Showed the so. qualified indie once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did not go well. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and so, gentlemen, shall we, shall we get into the main event of the evening? Yes. Apparently the Bahrain Grand Prix was pretty good, actually. Um, I can't be cynical about overtaking and stuff. That's really annoying. I've got to talk about <laughs> the actual race. Damn yeah. it. Yeah. I'll prepare myself for that after this brief musical interlude. speaking on behalf of Andre Harrison is a statement from his lawyer. On behalf of my client, Andre Harrison, I would like to address the 17 people who got in his mentions after this race insisting that that Dre re-engages his steady diet of Ferrari-induced narcotics after Sebastian Vettel's unprecedented second consecutive win this season. He would like to address these concerns by saying that he is not doing this shit again. (laughs) Like, sincerely yours, Andre Harrison Sr., Andre Harrison's lawyer. Dre, you sound a lot like your lawyer. I don't know, like, 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 whatever gave you that idea. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) Bahrain, the duel in the desert, a tradition unlike any other, because it is Masters Weekend after all. Oh, yeah, that did happen. That did happen. Shout out to Patrick Reed. Yes. Hello, friends. Welcome to Bahrain. Like, yeah, like, hopefully, like, this. Oh, God. I don't don't know what I was going to say now, but it's like. It was. It was a very good race. Like, I was like. It was like. Like, I said on Twitter, and I kind of half joked, but I actually kind of meant it when I said, I think Bahrain's now a serious top five best track on the calendar now these days. It is. And and it delivers. It does deliver good races. We got it in 2014. 2015 was pretty good. 2017 was pretty good. And this one was very good. I thought this was a fantastic race. And one that was riddled. That had a little bit of everything in it, if you ask me. We had some quality overtakes, we had some drama, we had some unexpectedly high running, and a battle to the flag, um, which I thought was incredible. And a genuine surprise king. Well, what do you mean Lewis Hamilton didn't put it on pole? <laughs> what do you mean Lewis Hamilton wasn't in contention in that last battle for the flag? You know how shocked I was at that? I shit myself. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Sebastian Vettel was the only man in the 137s? This is lit! Like, I literally, when I found out he got pole position, I was watching it live. When, when I when, it, when I realized he had got pole position, I literally got off my bed, threw my fist to the ground, and shouted, party mode that motherfucker. Um, yeah. And we, 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 do, we do have to mention that, uh, for various reasons, we'll, like, we'll talk about the race start later, but in qualifying, 
Lewis Hamilton had a fresh gearbox. Like, like. Yeah. So he is already starting with a five grid place handicap before he even takes a lap. And he qualified in fourth, which ended up putting him on row five. He's a ninth place start, which, you know, he would have been sixth at best, but a sixth place would have put him on row three. It's a huge difference there, but he ended up qualifying in fourth on the road, even being out-qualified by his teammate, which knocked him back to ninth afterwards. Um, and Sebastian Vettel celebrated his 51st career pole position in what would later be his 200th race start, believe it or not. He's now yes. in the 200 club. I feel um, very old now. Yeah. Yes, extremely. Like, he's 31 in a couple of months' time, and I'm like, fuck me, he's been around this long already? Yeah, I like, remember when he was that fresh ki- face kid at BMW. He was, what, 19 back then, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he 18? He was the youngest Jeez, point scorer in F1 history at one time. Fucking Max. Actually, no, take it back. It was actually, it was actually Dino Kvyat that broke that record first, yeah. funnily enough. Yeah, yeah, Kvyat broke it first. I do remember yeah. that. And speaking um, of Max, um, he, he, well, <laughs> people always said that the uh, that the Red Bull Tag Heuer Renault engine uh, needed a little more power to catch up to the uh, the competition. Well, uh, mm-hmm. Matt's got it. Got it all in one corner. Yeah, like if you ever if you ever played scale electric before, and it's like you come out of the apex of a corner and you've immediately put your thumb all the way down on the trigger. That's basically what happened to Max Verstappen. Um, puts a wheel on the curb. According to him and the Red Bull team, he got a sudden jolt of an extra 150 horsepower coming out of that turn one apex. And when he had the the uh, rear wheel on the curb at turn two, which to be fair, it caused a lot of problems that weekend. Marcus Ericsson. Um, and I think uh, one of the Williams had a, had a similar spin out there on uh, that turn two curb uh, on the outside had caused some spins all weekend long. Max had one of his own, put it in the wall, and I think he qualified, was it 15th in the end? Um, yes, 15th in the end and gave us a great radio quote, simply F, F, F. Yeah. Like, all I will say is, to whoever, whoever manages the race directions team radio, very well-timed bleeps, sir. Well done. Like, you can just the, catch it, enough of it to know exactly what he's saying, but without actually, you know, getting cross-broadcast, because, you know, that subject defines. Um, I, I Frame this. perfect. I enjoyed this in a full hotel room with friends. We had a mimosa party, just orange juice and champagne, except the orange juice was a saga. Uh, because Sarah actually went down to the hotel lobby to get the orange juice, which she had delivered to us, and then got stuck in an elevator for a good half an hour. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, she Only doesn't Only you lift. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, Sarah, take the stairs for God's sake. Um, <laughs> All twenty-seven flights of it. Uh, oh. On second thought, maybe not. Um, yeah, I, like, I, I, I'm probably just sticking no, the lift in, fair, in fairness, the mimosas were very delicious. Simply orange matches very well with Andre. Come again? Yes. <laughs> yes, the champagne was named Andre. So in spirit, you were with us. Ah. <laughs> although, although I was thinking... Literally. Like, is, it, is it named after Andre 3000 because we're getting these in Atlanta? Um. I really wish. But, well, uh, well played, RJ. Well played. Well played. Spirit. Well done, we, RJ. Well done. So we ended up with Ferrari's first front low front row front lockout. Nice. <laughs> like since when? Like I don't remember when their last front row lockout was. 
I believe it was Monaco last season they were first and second, only with Riker and starting from pole. But it was their first one two in Bahrain since 2004. Oh my god. <laughs> And to put yeah. that, that to put that into perspective, um, McLaren Mercedes were a very unreliable team at that time. Well, not much has changed. Yeah, well, you say that, but they're now third in the constructors' championship. They've not had a, they've had all four of their cars finishing the points so far this season. Funny, funny how things turn out. More on that later. But um, yes, race day. Uh, Seb gets a great start from the pole position. No problem. And I'm thinking, hey, we can maybe have Raikkonen as a blocker. No, Valtteri Bottas sweeps around the outside and I'm like, oh, for God's sake, Kimmy. Well, well, Ki- Kimmy, why do you always <laughs> let me down? <laughs> why? Why do you do this? Um, it's like, great, we haven't got a blocker in front of us now. Um, and I thought, okay, this, is, this, this could be another cool, like, pincer movement sort of thing, but not really a pincer movement because King doesn't like it when I use that term. Another two against one fight, basically, with Ferrari and Mercedes, and this time it was Bottas at the front. Nope. Um, turns out Lewis Hamilton was, surprise, surprise, very quick indeed. You're all shocked, really. I mean, you know. <laughs> and a, a, a not-so-ambitious but still very quick uh, one-stop strategy was pretty much rattled in from the start because he started on the soft compound tyre. Um, if you haven't seen it already, like the whole highlight is up on the F1 YouTube channel. The full a triple overtake uh, down the front straight, uh, very similar to Daniel Ricciardo's move at Baku uh, last year. We actually ended up winning the award for pass of the year uh, last year in F1. Um, a triple overtake on, uh, I think it was Hulkenberg, um, Ocon, and it was a McLaren. I want to say it was. I want to say it was Fernando. I could be wrong on that. Um, don't quote me on that one, but uh, a, tri- a, a, a triple overtake into turn one. It started off hot and heavy. Um, Kevin yeah, Madison, I believe, at Esteban Ocon touched wheels, and I thought that was Madison's race done and dusted from there. No, he keeps mm-hmm. on trucking. We'll get to him later. Um, this Would this be a good segue to talk about um, Lewis Hamilton versus Matt Verstappen? Yes, um, this is a big one. One of the big early race highlights for Stappen. Verstappen gets side by side with Hamilton on the DRS zone into turn one. Um, Verstappen, it's a narrow one, but he seems to have like a nose maybe. They're going side by side through the turn one apex, and then Verstappen runs Hamilton off the road. Um, they make contact. Um, for once, Verstappen didn't come out of it the better. Um, he got a puncher uh, as a result of the contact made between him and Hamilton. Hamilton was able to continue scot free. Verstappen had a puncher, and on the way back to the pits, his car lost all drive, and Verstappen was done for the day. Um, and that was this is a bit yeah no 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 you're you're, you're mixing up a couple stories. Verstappen did make it back to the pit lane, got a f- fresh pair of tires, but on his way back to the pit lane, Daniel Ricciardo was stopped on the side of the road because he His had wife. lost all drive. Yeah, like, it's like, like, I think Martin described it as it's like someone had just hit the master switch. Like, Ricardo's car just completely shut down. Um, this is Ricardo's fourth DNF in the last six races. This is Red Bull's first re- double retirement since the 2010 Korean Grand Prix, ending a 38-race point streak, the longest active streak in F1 for a single constructor. Damn. Ouch. Um, and like I, I heard Daniel describe it after the races. He said it's like his heart had been ripped out. 
Um, Red Bull was apparently adamant that Daniel Ricciardo could have challenged with Hamilton for a podium position on the race. They they were very confident in their race pace. Um, sadly, we didn't get to experience it because Verstappen was caught in the midfield and then was out early on, and Ricciardo's car literally just died. And to make matters even worse, I've been told Ricciardo's had to replace the battery, so he's already down part of his power unit as well um, as a replacement for the one that broke during Bahrain. So that could come back to bite him later in the season as well. Um, a really, really bad day at the office for Red Bull on that one. But uh, we've got to talk a little bit about Hamilton Verstappen again a little bit here. Um, King, where is your view on this one? Because I know, like, we, 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 should we mention the post-race incident as well while we're yeah, here? We yeah, we should. We should because it feels like this was more. Uh, this was more like just a racing incident that that um, <laughs> it escalated afterwards. Yeah, in the post-race debrief, minor spoiler, Lewis Hamilton finishes third in the end, gets to go on the podium. In the background footage, in the race highlights, in the Park Ferme area or the debrief room, they're replaying the highlights of the race and they're replaying Verstappen's attempted pass on Hamilton. And Lewis says, in full view of the hard camera, when the micro's going to pick it up, he says, such a dickhead, man. And, uh, oh boy. Yeah, you can tell Hamilton wasn't best pleased with that move from Verstappen, but... uh, so you guys leaning towards race it incident, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like okay. it was, it was. I wouldn't say it was a zero percent move from Verstappen, but it was, it was low percentage that was going to work out in his favor. And Probably reckless, yes. Punishable, not really. Yes, um, but that's the thing. I've mentioned it before. Like riding a dude off the road is now basically legal in F one now. So it's like fuck it. If you can, if you can do it in your max, why wouldn't you do it? You know. So it's like I would say the only reason he wasn't punished is because it ended his race. Yeah, of course yeah, it was. Um, it was self punishing. Um, and then the uh, then the drama of Lewis Hamilton's um, remarks about Verstappen took on a whole new life when one person was in. Lewis Hamilton's corner. One Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, this is weird. Um, this is very weird. But um, is it really though? Is it really though? Yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> the, the guy who's been literally the target of the press corps for almost a decade now. What for not being like you know responsible enough for winning too much? Like I like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Like, so, yeah, it's a basic perspective. Like, a, a Dutch journalist during the post-race press conference asks, basically, we heard you on the hard camera call Verstappen a dickhead. Like, could you explain your the reasons behind that comment? And like, wh- like, who did you blame for the re- incident during the race? Sebastian interrupts and says, "Can I answer this question?" Um, and then the journalist says, "Sure." And um, like. Seb basically uh, goes on, um, goes on the little, uh, goes on the little um, monologue about basically saying that you know these. I'm paraphrasing here, so bear with me here. But he basically says that he's on the lines of you know this is something out of nothing. You're, you know, you know, we're spinning this up to be a bigger deal than it is. We shouldn't be spinning it up so bad. You know, we all say things in the heat of the moment. If you put microphones on footballers. You know, in the middle of a tackle, you're probably going to hear things you probably shouldn't hear, um, etc. And like he said, don't take it personally, but he said he didn't appreciate shit questions like that, which I thought was quite funny. Um, But yeah, surprisingly, or maybe not. No, I I did love that one line. If 
if I punch you in the face and and and, and you you said something like that was not not you wouldn't just say something like that was not nice, Sebastian. You would you would be angry <laughs> about it. Yeah. All we needed was Chris Hemsworth taking that reporter out back and then jamming a tape recorder in his face, <laughs> punching yes. him right in the jaw. Yeah, because funny enough, this was the same journalist who in Australia asked, is the next world champion Dutch? Same yeah. dude. And I was at, like... At, at least he's honest. At least he's <laughs> honest. He's, yes, he's, he's honest. A mark. He, he's a bit of a mark. Like, you, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I said on Twitter this morning, the day we were recording this, which is April 9th, I said, listen, it was... Like, people was, were torching this journalist, and I was like, listen, listen, people, people. Like, I understand why he asked that question. It's I don't think it was an unfair question to ask. Like, if anything, blame Lewis Hamilton for not for being dumb enough to call a dude a dickhead on the hard camera. That wasn't very clever. No, now, no, 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 no. That was that, 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 that question. Yeah, that that question was clearly entrapment. He was trying to get Verstappen in a conflict with the reigning world champion. Good. That's more fun that way. But <laughs> it was yeah. It was. It's it's like it's it's fun when it's legitimate. It's not fun when it's dude poking flames where there is no fire. Like, listen, I'm I'm not saying you can't call another driver a dickhead. Like, I absolutely listen. I'm here for all the fights. Okay, we had a segment on this show called Bloody Flight Fight Club for crying out loud. I'm but here it for all Dre. But but Dre, with Dre. <laughs> If Lewis calls Verstappen a dickhead and there's no camera to see it, would we have ever known about it? No. No, but what I'm saying is it's like pitching underarm to Barry Bonds. Of course a journalist is going to ask about it. Like, come on! But then we like, would know about it and there would be no rivalry to begin with if it was legitimate. That's the beauty of Media King. Like, we get to comment on things like this. Now you've got two stories instead of one. Yay! It was fun. I'll say that much. I thought it was funny more than anything else. I didn't like. I. I. I'm not one of these dudes that is torching this journalist for, these, for, for that question. I'm, I just, you know, I understand why he asked. It's all it. entertainment. I, I, We're here to have a good time. Yes, and like I said, I. I didn't have a problem with that. That's just my opinion. Like I. I, I thought Sebastian's answer was eloquent and it was fair, and you know, it was. It was from a good place, and if any, and as Will Buxton pointed out on Twitter, when other journalists got a bit pissed that Vettel, you know, can't make these comments because he's been angry before. No, that's exactly why Sebastian yeah, made that comment why in the first he made place. The we all know that me- we all remember Mexico last season where he told Charlie Whiting to fuck off, right? And so, you know, like if anyone can relate to talking about things in the heat at the moment, it's Seb, and that's probably why he chipped in in the first place. Which is always fun when people in my inbox accuse me of, of accuse me of saying, "Oh, Vettel's Vettel is virtue signaling," which I swear no one uses that term in real life. But uh, I bet know. most of people who use that term doesn't know what it means. Exactly, but you know, it's that's always fun internet dialogue. Um, but uh, yeah, like going back to the race for a minute here, like the race kicks up strategy-wise around the halfway point. Like Sebastian comes in from the lead. He puts on a pair of soft tyres, which kind of makes it evident that Ferrari's going to be two-stopping. Um, Valtteri goes in the pits two laps later, puts on a pair of medium tyres, and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> now, me and the Ferrari camp here was like, oh no, not again. <laughs> I was like, especially when Valtteri came out, immediately set the fastest lap of the race. 
<laughs> and I was like, why is the medium tire faster than the softs? <laughs> and, you know, it goes into some explanations as to, you know, tire temperatures, you know, degradation, the and, and, and again, tire stuff, basically. But it turns out the mediums were just the better race tire in that scenario. Which, you know, sucks if you're a Ferrari. Like, I was Ferrari, I was sitting there thinking, oh god, Seb's got a two-stop. Oh god, like, Val's pace is really good. Oh no, we're not going to win this race. You've blown it again, god damn it. <laughs> I'm going to torch Ferrari strategic-wise yet again on the podcast tomorrow. Not quite. Uh, Vettel... Do, do, yeah, we, do we need to talk about how they tried to pit Reagan into undercut? Yeah, I was, I was just getting... I, I, I was just getting to that now. Um, I was like, well, I thought Seb's bound to stop again. They pitted Raikkonen first, and disaster. Um, an awfully botched stop. I think one of the tyres refused to come off come off the end of the car, and Raikkonen got an early green light. And unfortunately, a mechanic literally had his leg shattered as a result of uh, Raikkonen running his leg over. Yeah. Um, I- it was I saw not it, like, yeah. I saw it, it live happen. I saw it live. <laughs> I knew it yeah. was bad because he got clipped. When I heard he got a broken leg, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's not great. When I heard just today that he had his leg broken in two places, and then Oof. he was walking after one day, Francesco Cigarini, the mechanic of Ferrari. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very beloved mechanic in the garage. I know a lot of people that have been to multiple Grand Prix, and he he has time for everybody. He's a very well liked guy in that Ferrari pit crew and, and paddock in general. So that was a that was a bummer for poor Fran to her to and again, especially again it was it was broadcast obviously live on yeah, TV. It was, and, yeah, like not it was not like in a corner. It was like directly in front of the pit camera. Like you see his leg oh. in front of the tire, and I think in our Discord chat. I post the frame between when the car starts moving, but just before it hits his leg. Oh God, King! Like, why do you, why are you torturing the other side of the Discord chat? Hey, hey! There are worse frames to post. I mean, oh, that's, good. That's, that's true. That's very, very true. But why make us think about that? No, um, awful accident. Um, uh, yeah, it's like apparently Channel Four News zoomed in and slow moded oh in the news immediately. Channel 4 are masochists. What is wrong with them? But Jesus Christ. Air. They're the edgy ones, you know. They'd be Channel like, see, go- see where his leg bends in two places? None of those bends are his knee. Oh. Oh, God. It's like that slow-mo scene in The Simpsons where you can see the moment where Ralph's heart breaks, and it's like, oh, no. Um, yeah, that was awful. Um... Luckily, Fran is looks like he's going to make a full recovery. Um, <laughs> thank God for that. Um, awful um, to see that in real time and live on the broadcast. Um, and that, amazingly, kind of gifted Seb the win in a sense because because Ferrari was giving medical aid to to Fran in the middle of that, they couldn't stop Vettel's car anyway. Um, so they could tend to, to they could tend to Fran. So Vettel basically at this point now had to stay out and do 32 laps on the soft compound tire with Valtteri Bottas reeling him in um, on again the better, faster, medium tire um, towards the end of the race. 
it was about a five, six second shootout with about 10 laps to go, and Val was about a second a lap quicker. Um, right up until the end of the race, it was a tense one. It literally came down to the final lap. Um, Val was about 0.5 away. He had one crack at it into turn one, didn't have the braking power to do it. Um, Seb apparently was very strategic in, in, in modeling his power around so he could get the maximum out of that Ferrari down the home straight to try and do anything to stop um, that Mercs from coming through. He's able to hold off Val for the final lap, and then Seb takes the win in his 200th Grand Prix start. I believe his 49th career victory now. Good lord, he's got 49 victories. Um, that's that's terrifying. Um, but um, yeah, like it's, it's a, a a magnificent performance from Seb, and uh, if I do say so myself. And uh, that it's amazing thing that that win did not look on for Seb. Not for about 30 laps now. I thought, oh no! no. Like after the first like, stop, it's like, oh, you know what's going to happen. Go- going by Autosport's guesstimate. They they pretty they felt certain that Mercedes had a ninety percent chance of winning. Yeah, ninety. Way to beat the odds, Sam. Um, <laughs> so much for that. Yeah, um, this one looked like after the pit stop, it was going to be gift wrapped to Val on this one on a silver platter, and like it's it's amazing that you know Kimi Raikkonen's awful pit stop essentially gave Ferrari the win in that sense because I like they were going to pit Seb with about 10 to go if it wasn't for that and put him out on the super softs and I just didn't see even if think he... of it like that I didn't even think of it like what what the hell happened yeah I I don't know what Ferrari were thinking that the two stopper was going to be like Ferrari I guess were just super confident that their car was that much quicker than Mercedes they could afford to run a two stopper Turns out they weren't. Um, it's it wasn't ideal, but it looks like they got away with it on this one. And uh, yeah, Vettel joins a unique club of the fifth driver to win his 200th start alongside Jensen Button, Michael Schumacher, Nico Rosberg, and Lewis Hamilton. It's quite crazy out of five guys have won on their 200th start. I thought, what five guys really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, all world champions. No, yeah, crazy. Yeah, um, Valtteri in second. Now, a couple of people asked me this on, on Curious Cat about, about Val. And was like, was, was this another reason that Val might not be around next year? I don't... I, I give Val a pass for this one. This really should have been a race that they should have won without even the need to have a dogfight in the end. I don't think Val was all that bad on paper. I just think he was more unlucky than anything else. Is, uh, am I crazy for thinking this? No, you're not crazy to think of that. And, I mean, in fairness, he did out-qualify and out-race his teammate Lewis Hamilton. Um, take that for what you will with what Lewis Hamilton had to go through all weekend, starting the weekend on the back foot. But this was another... It was a fine race for Val. Yeah, it's, you know, like, how much shade are you going to throw at a guy for finishing point six off the win? Like, really? It's... It just wasn't his day, really. Um... It happens, and uh, yeah. Again, like uh, no one's gonna, you know, put Val on a mantelpiece for that one. But I don't, I don't hold that one against him. Really, Lewis Hamilton described the race's damage limitation. He eventually came up to third um, in the end. A solid podium finish, about the maximum that was realistically on the table for him. I'd argue, um, given the circumstances. But uh, that triple overtake was something, hey fellas. <laughs> Very. Yeah, that's that's awesome. gonna be on a highlight reel. 
yeah, that that'll be on the end of season overtake of the year competition for sure. Because uh, yeah, triple pass into turn one, bonkers stuff. Lewis said it was damage limitation, and again, I think third was about the maximum he could have realistically gotten out of that one. Would have loved to have seen how he would have fit in if he didn't have that penalty. That would have been very interesting indeed, but not today. We mentioned the Red Bulls, but as a result of some of the attrition that was going on um, and uh, looking at some of the results further down the field, wait, that's a blue car in fourth, and it's not a Red Bull. It's Pierre Gastly. He Who's used Shadow that Ball. Driver of the day, Pierre Gastly. <sighs> <sighs> You shadow ball, he was super effective. Um, Pierre Gasly had a hell of a weekend. He qualified in sixth provisionally, got bumped up to fifth because of the Hamilton penalty. It's kind of crazy that the best of the rest award really goes to Pierre Gasly on this one because we all know Honda have had their struggles, but they come here on a power circuit. They're competing against teams like McLaren, and Gasly finished almost a minute ahead of Fernando Alonso in fourth place. He what finished, a phenomenal drive. Yeah, he finished uh he finished thirty seven seconds ahead of the works Renault of Nico Hulkenberg. Bonkers. What a drive from the young Frenchman. Seriously, that is super impressive. Um I think he won I think he said it, he, he had eighty nine percent of the driver of the day votes, they said. Um wow. kinda says it all really. Um Absolutely the bet he absolutely deserved the highest I think a Honda has finished since I want to say 2008 I want to say when Rubens Barrichello got on the podium at Silverstone Toro Rosso's best finish as a team since Carlos Sainz finished fourth at Singapore last year and that was bonkers enough as it is um, that team was absolutely you, you can see on F1's Instagram that team was absolutely delighted with that fourth place and can you blame them um, phenomenal performance from Pierre um, on that one. Brilliant, brilliant drive indeed. And we go a little bit further down. Marcus Ericsson in ninth. Um, his first oh, point scoring. Yeah, for Sauber. Sauber's first points of the year. They're not bottom of the constructors, even though many of us predicted they would be. And Marcus Ericsson's first finish in the points in 50 races. <laughs> yeah. He's back in the points, everybody. Not Everybody break out the champions. He's. he's- Put he's put he's humbling Charles Leclerc a little bit. Yeah, like we were all on the Charles Leclerc hype train going in for obvious reasons and deserved reasons, of course. But my goodness, um, like Marcus has really stepped up his game in the, in the wake of Charles around there. Charles was beating himself up after a mistake in qualifying where he spun it on the final corner on his final qualifying lap, and Charles was kicking himself in the car for it. Um, but Marcus got his head down, was in, was running as high as six foot one point before the one stopper. But the st- strategy from Alfa Romeo Sauber worked perfectly, and Marcus was in ninth again. Brilliant drive um, from Marcus on that one, if you ask me. Um, exceptional stuff. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant. Again, another one of those days where the attrition played a hand in that one for sure. And but, remember uh, when we mentioned uh, Magnuson coming wheel to wheel with uh, with with Esteban Ocon earlier in the race? Mm-hmm. Um, well, he continued on and he came away with the fifth place that probably should have been his in Australia, a fifth place matching Haas's best ever Formula One result, and it didn't even really feel like a surprise. Yeah, like Haas have been batting around that sort of range 
again since the test so not all that surprising but another very solid drive from K-Mag indeed he's on a good run of form and uh, he seems to have dialed down the crazy a couple of notches which is certainly good for him as well um, quick run out of the full result Seb takes the win by 0.7 over Val in the end Lewis Hamilton a further 6 seconds back there's a bit of a gap there's still a bit of a golfing performance here kids um Pierre Gasly finished 56 seconds behind Lewis Hamilton in fourth. <laughs> a minute and two off the win in fourth. But hey, it's still a fourth nonetheless. And 12, 12, points very, 12, points. 12 very hard-earned points for Toro Rosso indeed. Kevin Magnussen in fifth um, for Haas there, ahead of Nico Hülkenberg in sixth. Fernando Alonso, no five for him this time, only a seven, but he'll gladly take it. Um, seventh ahead of his teammates, Stoffel Van Dorn in eighth. Um, Marcus Eriksson in ninth, as mentioned, for Salba. Brilliant job from him. And Esteban Ocon gets Force India's first point of the year. Crazy to say about, about Force India, huh? Uh, in tenth, ahead of Carlos Sainz in eleventh. Charles Leclerc gets bumped up to twelfth. Um, I'll sort of explain why in a minute. Romain Grosjean in thirteenth place. Not such a good day for the Frenchman on this one. Lance Stroll and Sergei Sorokin in 14th and 15th for the ever-struggling Williams team. My goodness, they were nowhere all weekend. Um, demoted to 16th and 17th with 10-second stop-go penalties post-race was Sergio Perez and Brendan Hartley for Perez passing Hartley during the front for formation lap, and then Hartley did not overtake him back. So they both got 10-second stop-go penalties for that. Um, which just bumped him further down the standings. Really didn't make didn't have a big difference to no points either way. But uh, Perez in 16th place, Brandon Hartley in 17th, and of course the three DNFs as mentioned, Raikkonen in the pit stop error, and the two Red Bulls. Um, so kids, like Sebastian Vettel leads the championship. Isn't this the part where you try and talk me into believing again? Now, like, go on. Give it a give it another handful of races. Yeah, I'll wait until Europe. Oh yeah, well, you, you're not, not going to tell me to dig up the narcotic in the fridge? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, should We're also not the internet. Out, should also point out as well. This is Lewis Hamilton's 27th consecutive point scoring finish. He has now tied Kimi Raikkonen's record from 2012 to 2013. Please take a gearbox failure in China, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, quick look at the Drivers' Championships. Oh, yeah, Sebastian Vettel now leads by 17 points. He has the perfect 50 over Lewis Hamilton's 33. Valtteri Bottas on 22. Fernando Fernando Alonso is fourth in the championship right now with 16 points. Last so year, he scored 17 time. points. <laughs> <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen in fifth on 15 points ahead of Nico Hulkenberg on 14. Daniel Ricciardo with 12 Pierre Gasly in 8th with 12 points. Kevin Magnussen with 10. And Max Verstappen with 8 points to round off the top 10. In the Constructors, Ferrari is still leading the Constructors' Championship. I know, I'm as shocked as you are. They have 65 points to Merck's 55. McLaren are third. This is not a drill. This is Bizarro F1. (laughs) This is not a drill. McLaren Renault are third. Seriously. They have 22 points. It's kind of bonkers. Um, Red Bull's double donut puts them now in fourth with 20 points ahead of Renault on 15, Toro Rosso on 12, and Haas in seventh place with 10 points. Sauber have two. So Sauber up to eighth place, everybody. Go Sauber. They're not bottom. 
They're a point ahead of Force India in ninth, as mentioned. Ocon got their first point of the year in tenth to, uh, on Sunday, and Williams, amazingly, the only team in F1 who has not scored a point yet. They have not finished. Have not had a car even finish as high as thirteenth yet. It is not going to plan for Williams at all. Oh dear. Um, yeah, like we knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. Um, it's it's not a good sign. For as that I remarked team. down at the sports bar many a times, um, the drivers are going to take the blame for the car being absolutely terrible. I said it in preseason, and I fear the prophecy is about to come true. What can you do in that case? Also, me and the buddies uh, had a celebratory shot of Jaeger. Our plan was to take a shot of the drink from the winning driver's nationality. Sebastian Vettel just happened to be German. Um, Shots of cherry alcohol all around. It was a good, good time. Like any more stories of RJ being drunk around the company of other people during a motorsports event? <laughs> There's a lot of those going down this weekend. It's pretty neat, if I do say so myself. But yay, Seb won! Woo! No yes. one's trying to talk me into going back on the narcotic yet. Thank God, Twitter. Um, yes, you know who you are, Alex, yep. Catherine, Laura. Hey. Dre, there is still a sits pack waiting in the fridge. Come, uh, come about a two weeks time in China. You're about to get these hands. I, I don't know. Oh, that's fine. If, if, if Sebastian Vettel is in the lead of the championship after the, after the Azerbaijani Grand Prix, I can definitely say that there's a legitimate chance. We're not doing this, King. We're not doing this. Okay, are we clear? <laughs> Well, as, I, I don't know. As the internet pointed out, you know, in 2016, when we were around this time last year, with the exact same points total, Nico Rosberg was ahead of Lewis Hamilton. So you're saying it's at least going to be close. Yeah, it's going to be close. Um, King, should we divert just a little bit and talk about... Um, so, if you remember a couple episodes ago, we went into F1 on ESPN in America a lot and deservedly so like that broadcast of the australian grand prix was a train wreck i believe the phrase i used was chloroform and motorsports broadcasting (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much but espn to their credit took the feedback and one company mother's car polish a longtime sponsor of formula one going back to not just formula one on nbc sports but formula one on speed channel and then subsequently Formula One on Speed Vision. Yeah, they've been they've, a, they've been here. And you, and of course their advertisements are very you know you know they're natural land. It's it's car product stuff. Like yeah, it's it's whatever. It's fine. Um, Mother stepped up and paid for this race to go commercial free, flag to flag on basic cable television. Not just for the race, but qualifying as well. Yep, the entire weekend on basic cable, commercial free. Way to take one for the team there, fellas. That is awesome. Oh, the the internet memory of Mother's Car Polish being our new lord and savior is real. King, you know what this means. 
We have I'm to see. We have to toast. We have to toast with a bottle of Mother's Cobbler <laughs> and eat about five clay bars. Yeah, we gotta eat all the clay bars. We're gonna eat clay bars like Hershey. We are here for all of this. So it's yeah, props to Rob Stewart to to uh, for that for, for for the oil on the car polish to make that happen. That's awesome. Um, so, we had some proposals. Yeah, I, 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 have proposals. A, I have a press release from our other Lord and Saviors over at Liberty Media to read. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in, in just over three years' time, Formula One hopes to enter a new era that will feature a new car with a new engine that competes in a championship where the revenue distribution will be fair and the, and the cost controlled. Friday in Bahrain marked the first meeting, uh, the first meaningful step in defining that future. In a 90-minute meeting, Formula One chairman and CEO Chase Carey and motorsport boss Ross Braun presented Formula One's vision for the championship from 2021. The future. Ultimately, Formula One wants a global, wants a great, <laughs> wants, wants to create great action and bring the cars closer together. Make the drivers the heroes and make the business more sustainable. Controlling the the cost and fairly distributing the revenues will play a big part in that. So unsurprisingly, a key part, and it's a key part of the plan. And to run down the the five points of their plan, kind of the five focuses are, one, the power units, two, the cost, three, the revenue, four, the sporting and technical rules and regulations, and five, governance and first point most important to a lot of people are the power units uh one they're they're planning on making the power units cheaper simpler louder have more power and reduce the necessity of grid penalties wait 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 more powerful they're already packing a thousand horsepower they're claiming these days not enough they want more power (laughs) (laughs) not enough is 15, Jeremy Clarkson in charge of these regulations? Damn it! Give me fifteen hundred horsepower. We're we're buying the stage four turbo and just slapping it on there. Yes. Also, also I, to I add am here on, for this. Also, to add on, it must remain road relevant, hybrid, uh, hybrid, and allow manufacturers to build unique and original power units. The new rules, the new rules must be attractive to new entrants. Customer teams must have access to equivalent performance. Oh boy. Yeah. Andy Palmer of Aston Martin put out a press release saying that he was very pleased with this news. Um, Aston Martin, also one of these companies that's very interested in getting Formula One um, as their deal with Red Bull kind of hints towards. And mm-hmm. it should also be tacked on that some fuel limits will would be removed to allow the drivers to push. The fundamentals simplified so the fans can understand the engine. I don't know why. I understand it just fine. If fans can't understand it, that's that's their issue. But, but King, you're a nerd. <laughs> oh my God. Dre, Dre, you know what a turbocharger is, right, Dre? Um, it's the bit where the air goes in. Yeah, that 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 bit. It makes the car go faster. <laughs> and most importantly, the hybrid component, such as the battery would be standardized to cut costs. Ooh, get McLaren to slap some, slap some batteries in there for everybody. Neat. Qu- 
quote from Roz Ron, it's a miracle of engineering, the engine we have now, but they are too expensive. I don't think they are a great racing engine. We want engines drivers can drive flat out all the time and which have more emotion. I don't know that, you know, pe moving pieces of metal and fuel and explosions can have emotion, but okay, Ross. We need V10s, bruh! Bring back the V10s! <laughs> we need them no now! V12s. V12s. Big shouting engines with more cylinders and burn more fuel. I'm okay with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Bring them all. Okay. The heck with it. Bring them all. Had, bring, bring them all. Bring them we all. We had V8s, V10s, V12s. Why not? Run what you brung. It's like a track day meeting all over yes. again. <laughs> someone, someone get someone get the uh, the W12 out of Ernesto Vita's garage. I am Flex. for that. <laughs> okay, so focus. Moving on to focus number two, the cost. Quote: We believe how you spend money must be more decisive than. Uh, more decisive and important than how much money you spend. Hmm. Hmm. Formula One would like to introduce a cost cap. Though I just nodded everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> cost a cost cap. Yes. Sorry, gang. Go, go on. <laughs> Though the final number has not yet been decided. Rumors are it's 150 million bucks, according to Brundle, the German media, and a couple of other people that have, that have floated that number around. So roughly about 110 million yeah, sterling in Queen's English. According to Ross, there's still debate on what the exact number would be, but it would not include driver salaries, which is a sticking point for uh, Christian Horner, who believes that if there was a cost cap that didn't include driver salaries... The, the amount the drivers would be get paid would explode. I don't believe that. I just think Christian Horner is cheap and does not want to pay his drivers. Sebastian Vettel only got like 10 mil in his final season with the team. It's like, and this, is, this is the guy that just won them four consecutive championships. Like, like, we're already in a sport where Lewis Hamilton gets over 40 million a year. It's like, if you're talking about driver salaries exploding, we're already there. Trust me. <laughs> yes. And also, it would also not include marketing, uh, because quote because in terms of developing a sport, developing a brand, uh, developing a brand, teams should be free to do what they want. Okay. And okay, and also, in other efforts to reduce costs, it would mainly be focused at the larger teams who would most likely have to reduce their staffs. And there will also be a number of parts which will be standardized. Have they talked about reducing the costs outside of just running the car? Because they're, a lot of the teams have hospitality units that are just, quite frankly, ridiculous. There is a reason why marketing is not included in the cost cap. That's stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> think about how much money it costs to try put all that freight all around the world. It's, it's ridiculous. They, they choose to do that. It is not required. And they only use the motorhomes in Europe. Outside, like, all the flyaway rounds in Bahrain and other places like that, uh, all the hospitality suites are already pre-built into the circuit. Pre-built? Yeah, like, if you've ever... It's not ever just built? Yeah, the, I so mean... Wait, do they have <laughs> built as well? I mean, they, they include, like, they bring their own things, like, you know, catering 
whatever catering company they hire, they build their own cooking equipment and stuff like that. So it just seems odd that they spend so much money on so much awesome. They 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 choose to spend that money. It's stupid. It's <laughs> yeah. late, late, it's, it's stupid. It's very stupid. It's fine. <laughs> but, everything yeah, is great. Yeah, everything is great. But <laughs> but besides that, uh, yeah, besides that, the only notable thing to add to that was a quote from Claire Williams where she says, I think it's a balanced figure. Obviously, whenever you talk about cost caps, there's going to be winners and losers, aren't there? And it's about compromise at the end of the day. Yep, labor stoppages have happened in other sports, mostly be, mostly due to salaries, salary caps, things of that nature. People like we're, probably gonna get another, we're probably going to get another one in the NFL in about three years' time by the sounds of it, so, you know, we, we, like, it happens a lot in the U.S. <laughs> so, mm. now on to the third focus of their plans, revenues. <laughs> Quote, F1's current revenue structure has long been a subject of debate. It is widely felt that the system is unfair and heavily weighted in favor of certain teams. Currently, part of this revenue pot is shared out between teams depending on their position in the Constructors' Championship. Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, and Williams all then receive additional payments for various reasons, including past successes and commitment to the championship. From 2021, Formula One wants a fair and equitable revenue system. The plan is... Uh, the plan is for teams to receive payments based on performance. There should be payments made to the teams as well as engine suppliers who commit to Formula One. Ferrari and Mercedes who run their own engine programs would get two payments. One as a team, two as an engine supplier. While Toro Rosso and their engine supplier will you know, each get one payment as an example. This recognizes instant suppliers' commitment to Formula One, and it is also noted that all current additional payments will cease, except for the p bonus payments received to to by Ferrari. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. going to make this more fair and equitable, except for the part that you know inherently makes it fair and equitable when you just pay a team just for being themselves. Yeah. All teams are equal. Yeah. Some are more equal than others. Right. I believe it was uh, the Lamar great Henri Pescarola who once said motorsport is not socialism. Well, in some cases, it does make us want to kind of embrace it a little bit harder. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Following the meeting, uh, Aston Martin president Andy Palmer, who was in attendance, was pleased with the current state of play as the British car maker continues to evaluate their plans to enter Formula One in 2021. Hmm. Mm. I mean, it's it's great that Aston Martin are involved in the conversation, but I feel like they are inherently biased. <laughs> really? What <laughs> uh, gave it away, King? <laughs> um, the the massive logo on the rear wing of the Red Bull. Yeah, it's kind of a dead giveaway, isn't it? <clears throat> but. Essentially, Liberty Media want to structure the payments to the teams in a way that long-term stability financially is what counts. And I think it's a good, you know, 
it's it's a good movement towards that, but you know the whole only Ferrari will retain their additional payments. It doesn't seem to be an exact science. You know, a thing where they're not calling Ferrari's bluff here. They're not taking any chances. Keep Ferrari happy and the rest will follow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so besides that, we move on to the fourth point. The sporting and technical rules and regulations. And the most important part of this is the cars must and will remain different from each other and maintain performance differentiators like aerodynamics, suspensions, and power unit performance. However, we believe areas not relevant to the fans need to be standardized. So, there'll be more standardized components, but there will not be customer cars. Oh no! <laughs> Uh, that's kind of a bummer, actually. I was kind of looking forward to seeing if that was going to be put on the table. But, um, yeah, more standardized parts isn't a bad compromise by any stretch. Yeah. Like they continue, we must make cars more raceable to increase overtaking opportunities. Engineering technology must remain a cornerstone. But driver's skill must be a, must be the predominant factor in the performance of the car. I say good luck with that. Um, <laughs> like, that's only going to work if the cars themselves are a lot closer together in terms of performance. Where the driver margin, you know, is it has basically has a greater scope um, because, like, the driver, uh, like the driver ability means sod all if like Force India is two seconds a lap slower than their Mercedes powered counterparts on, on the factory team. It's a kind of a redundant point. But I guess it means well, you know, that's nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last point is the shortest point, governance. Uh, Liberty Media want a simplified and streamlined structure between the teams, FIA, and Formula One. They want to eliminate the strategy group. They feel like it's, yes! they feel like it's too cumbersome to work with and kind of... Uh, kind of stokes the conversation kind of makes kind of makes it a situation where the teams are there for their own self-interest not as the teams of a collective whole burn it burn it to the ground burn the strategy group to the ground please i hate it nothing ever gets done because of that goddamn strategy group yes on that note we need to talk about the meeting that happened the next day, on Saturday, the mm -hmm. FIA's emergency overtaking meeting. You know how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a KFC team meeting where it's like the emergency we ran out of chicken meeting. It's like, what is going on here? <laughs> so, the meeting called by the FIA's Nicholas Zambesis was a part of... Of it was a response to the Australian Grand Prix, and it was a meeting between him and all the other, you know, chief technical officers. Now, just to clarify, this was not inadvertently sent out to everybody's phones in Hawaii during a ship change at the government building. No, of course. So the there were two main points of discussion to hopefully implement for 2019. 
One, a simplified front wing. Oh. Two, a bigger and higher rear wing, which means a bigger, more effective DRS. Oh, God. <laughs> By the meeting's end, both ideas were completely rejected by all the teams. <laughs> right. right. So, so we're still buttonheads on this one. Yeah, technically the FIA could still, you know, propose this to the strategy group, but it's unless both Liberty Media and the FIA unanimously agree to run it, the teams are like it's not going to be a thing. It is not going to be no. a thing. No. If it's, getting shot, if it's getting shot down there, there's no way it's going to be a thing. Just yeah. go with the force majeure that they always go. For safety reasons. For safety. We, we, need, a simpler, we need a simpler rear wings for, for all the birds out there. Think of the birds. <laughs> Look it's at all a- those slow-mo shots we get at Monaco. I mean, shit, we've got to get rid of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> But imagine how cool they would look with nose cam. Nose cam. Mm. So, guys, what do you think? 2021, anyone? Um, I like I like it. There are not a lot of concrete ideas on how to get this. And I know people complain about that. But, it, like, they'll, they'll come out with it at some point. I mean, this is just a good outline to start with. You don't, if you're smart and you're writing an essay, you don't start with, your final draft all one day. You usually do an outline, then a rough, and then a final. Remember the last time we started with a final draft? And someone was like, hey, we're going to just assume the final draft is going to be the submitted version, Mercedes. But King, aggressive aero. They'll be mean-looking cars. (laughs) No, no, no. Back in 2010, when we were coming up with the regulations for 2014, we were like, Maybe we'll, you know, run hybrid V6s. And everyone's like, nah, it's not going to happen. Mercedes was like, we'll save that, tuck that away, go back home. Mm-hmm. It's like that scene on the Grand Tour. It's like, Audi's like, you know that rule about four-wheel drive cars not being able to go into rallying? Can you just scrap that? And everyone's like, yeah, sure, fuck it. <laughs> it will never come back to bite them, ever. Um, <laughs> so, you know... Um, you're right, RJ is right. It is a little bit on the vague side, but as you say, you got to start somewhere. This is obviously not going to be the final version. I think some of these bullet points are a little bit on the optimistic side. I mean, the power unit stuff. Cheaper, simpler, louder, more power, less penalties, but still road relevance. Like, you're oh, talking I, about... I think they could <sighs> Like, You people- really think so? Some of the tech guys are not going to like it, but they can do it. Like, we're probably going to have, like... They're some of the greatest engineers in the world. If they can't do it, then who will? Yeah. Because I I think the the way they get cheaper engines is the engines are going to get heavier. But they're going to be huge. They're going to be monstrous. People are going to love them. But the people who are into into the technical side of Formula One, they're going to not, like... You think that they don't like V10s coming back? They're they're not gonna like the new massive V6s. I want 1,200 horsepower that you can run all day. Let's 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 do this. Um, yes, please. Like like 
I, I like, honestly, overall, I really like the direction that Liberty is going in here. They've addressed a lot of people's concerns by the looks of it. A lot of very fair criticism has come their way, and they seem to have taken that on board. Um, I like the idea of a cost cap. It's probably the most effective way of at least giving some of the smaller teams a chance, especially hand-in-hand with a redone revenue system. Um, so hopefully be, then the smaller teams won't be able to spend up to that budget, per se, if you get my drift. Because um, I don't if they have like a $200 million cap, hypothetically speaking. I don't think Sauber's going to spend 200 million bucks in a season on their car. But, you know, hopefully a bit of extra money on the side might make that a little bit more likely. Um, yeah. Overtaking is good. You know, engineering technology is, is good. Like I said, the cost cap is good. I like the ambition they're showing in the... If they can pull that off of the Pioneers, it's going to be friggin' awesome. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Like, I think there's like just one quote from Chase Carrier that stands out. Quote, we are driven by one desire, to create the world's leading sports brand, end quote. So he, he, he clearly is, like, taking aim at the FIFA World Cup and the Olympic Games. And LeBron James. <laughs> and LeBron James. He's the world's leading sports brand. And the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> now, hold on. There can't be any inter- intercompany competition here. <laughs> But uh, don't worry, yeah. that's not much of a contest. No, it really isn't. But um, <laughs> I said overall, I I I like these. I think they're still a little bit on the vague side. I'd like to see a little bit more specific details, but obviously that will come a little bit nearer the time. But overall, I definitely like the direction they're going in. I just hope they can put it off and they don't compromise from this too much. Um, the like Ferrari are probably gonna you know, throw their toys out of the pram and throw the pram into a ditch over some of these. I hope Liberty call their bluff and, you know, say, you know, we're not going to budge on this. I really, like, they've already hinted that, you know, Liberty are, are not keen to budge on this. They're non-negotiable on a lot of these points. Yeah. Which so, is good. Essentially, yeah. what Liberty have said is that points are up for discussion, but they're not up for removal. Anything that they propose so far... It has to be implemented in any way, shape, or form. So if teams don't agree with anything that they proposed, they've shown them the door. They can leave. Yeah. Well, I mean, 2020 is the end of the Concord Agreement anyway, so they wouldn't even have to pay a financial penalty to leave anyway. So, you know, um, it's the perfect time for it, essentially. Um <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, King. I mean, you're a bit more technical-minded than I am, but... I I like I like this overall. Yeah, of course I like this tray. Of course I like this. I wasn't sure. I wanted to make sure. Okay. <laughs> like, like Chris, is moment. it good? Yeah. <laughs> I, the moment the moment I heard the word cost cap, I was like, I'm on board. Like I don't know what the cost. I'm cap in. Is. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, one thing that they specifically mentioned about the cost cap, that it would be prospective. So if you're caught infringing on the cost cap, like, the next year, uh, they're not going to go full NCAA and start retroactively taking away championships. You would be penalized that season. Okay. Makes uh, sense. Gotcha. Um, before we wrap everything up for this episode, um, rate the race. 
Great Bahrain. Hmm. Ooh, I want to go nine. Like, I don't want to go 9.5. I'm definitely not going 10, but it's definitely a solid nine. Mm. Going about a eight and a half um, mimosas out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say eight. Um, slightly retired Red Bulls on the side of the road out of ten. <laughs> um, that race had a little bit of everything for me. We had overtakes, some great action. Um, genuine intensity and uh, you know drama right the way to the finish. We actually had a battle for the win. We had some shock results um, in the midfield, which is always nice to see. Um, you know, again, Gasly was fantastic. Ericsson was fantastic. Stoffel van Dorn was pretty darn solid as well. Um, it, it had a little bit of everything, and that absolutely is, is probably going to end up being one of the better races of 2018, probably where by the time it's all said and done. You know, an average F1 season is good for about three or four of those a year. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an excellent Bahrain race. Definitely one I think you should go out and see um, if you haven't already. Um, and I think that'll just about call it for episode 131. Um, we'll be back probably in a couple of days, actually. Well, in the case of us, some minutes from now <laughs> um, to record episode 132. But in the meantime, places you can find us quickly one more time, YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison 101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at C. DeHarde on Twitter, and of course our Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. As mentioned, if you haven't already, check out Bike Live if you get a chance. Again, I'm going to put it up on Patreon for just a buck on early access on that one because... It's kind of a big deal, to say the least. You're just going to have to trust me on this one, okay? Make time in your schedules. More on that soon. But um, I might give away a little bit of what happens in episode 132. Who knows? Mm -hmm. There's a reason to come back. But in the meantime, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan King, and Christopher DeHarde. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. See you. Bye. Like, King just sounded extra country on that ending. Like, <laughs> yep. You gotta you got thank our new Lord and Savior, Mother's Car Polish, in association with Liberty Media. God, I, could just, I could just eat, like, five clay bars right now. It's gonna, it's gonna make the surface of my inner lining smooth as glass, ready for polishing <laughs> and buffing. <laughs> you, and... you don't want your guts to do that. <laughs>